Welcome back to The Imposterous. The Imposterous is normally hosted by Graham Drew and Michael Knox, two rather insecure creative frauds who explore the motivating and sometimes debilitating experiences we all have with imposter syndrome. But this episode is hosted by me, Shannon Crow, as The Imposterous presents Sorit Amit. So welcome back to The Imposterous, The Imposterous Shannon Crow. I was looking at the feedback around your episode and a lot of people wanted to hear more from you, so I'm glad to be making <laughs> that happen. Welcome back. Where are you, where are you finding these listeners? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, don't, don't you worry. Don't let your imposter syndrome question any kind of feedback <laughs> that I might throw up. No, I see you've got people tuning in from all around the world these days, so good for you. Yes. Hey, great to have you back on The Imposterous. And we're going to do a, have a, a couple of episodes, a little mini-series within the series. You're going to be talking to, and I'm going to be chipping in with things from the side, if I can keep up, um, talking to people that uh, that you attended See It, Be It with, and we're calling this series Saw It, Am It. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that? Well, when you first sent that through as a suggestion, I was like, I don't know about that. And then realized that the reason I didn't know about it was because it gave me imposter syndrome. Because <laughs> <laughs> can any of us truly say that we are it? <laughs> you know, there's always somebody else to to look to and strive to be more like. But um, recognizing that it was just that good old syndrome creeping back in, I was like, stop it. We yeah. are it. <laughs> well, you know, okay. We'll, we'll put a little almost, a little saw it almost. It, but great to, who are we talking? Who, who have you got today? Who have you brought along from your see it, be it experience today? We are talking to Maria, one of my dear friends from Bulgaria. She's a creative director and partner at Noble Graphics in Sofia. You're welcome to the Impostress, Maria. Hello. It's wonderful to speak to you. Maria was telling me a story before, Shannon, about how um, she had a lecturer at university tell her not to pursue a career in radio. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was studying journalism and this teacher of mine was really like nice to advise me to avoid uh, uh, using my voice as, uh, you know, career path. <laughs> oh, I love your voice. Yeah, so we're proving him <laughs> wrong <you>. today. <laughs> but I also think you have a face that's not destined for radio, so <laughs> you out there in the world too. Um, hey, we met in Cannes in 2017, See It, Be It. And so See It, Be It is a, it's a career acceleration program for women in creative departments in the advertising industry all around the world. And I think, you know, every year there's hundreds and hundreds of women from like dozens and dozens of countries that apply to go along to this program. And we turned up all bright-eyed and a bit nervous. There were 15 of us wondering what the hell we were doing there, which was a great example of having imposter syndrome because I think we're all just looking around nervously at each other in awe but feeling imposterous ourselves. I swear I have never felt less worthy in my life. The moment oh. I received the email from Khan Lions, uh, it was a massive why me moment. Like how on earth <laughs> they picked me among all these brilliant, successful, fantastic women 
I couldn't uh, believe it. Like I considered myself like a girl born in a small mountain town, town who learned English from the pirate uh, uh, videotapes in the ninety. <laughs> no private lessons, no like uh, cool school. Uh, I grew up uh, grew up without. Um, phone or computer it's a fun fact but I, i've got my first pc at the age of 21 oh, uh, and i got it myself in the university and i didn't own like a c- computer before that so I, I felt really like out of place being you know in the french riviere <laughs> <laughs> and the lack of trust i had in me was so bad uh, that i even felt guilty to brag about it properly at the time it's a yeah, interesting situation. Also, like something that I was thinking uh, recently about is how I perceive this program, uh, this initiative is, like, of course, women empowering program. But I didn't consider myself um, a proper feminist, which is really strange because from an early age, I felt very passionate about women empowerment. Um, I've wrote multiple papers on gender issues, uh, made linguistic analysis of women in men magazines to point out, you know, the different uh, values they force to the uh, um, audience. I even managed, this is a really funny uh, story, I managed to publish a drawing of a naked female Christ on the cross in school paper in my high school years, uh, which sounds crazy to me now, how they even printed it uh, and distributed it in the school, right? Like female Christ. Yeah. And yet I didn't feel like feminist enough uh, to deserve and to benefit such a feminist initiative. So did that feeling stay with you the whole week? (laughs) Yeah, I guess, uh, yes, because even after CBIT, um, when I was um, back in Bulgaria, I didn't feel like I deserved this opportunity. And somehow I, I wanted to justify my luck by sharing the Caroline's experience with others. And this is how Seedbeat Bulgaria actually uh, emerged from nothing, like out of my guilt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think the women of Bulgaria and even more widely spread than that have benefited greatly from your guilt because since See It Be It in 2017, you've organised 16 CB events in Bulgaria, 76 speakers from five different continents. Um, auditoriums with like professional women from every corner of Bulgaria and some who travelled internationally to come and see these events that you've put on. How how was that? (laughs) Tell us more about those events. I confess. The thing is that there were some very important and eye-opening insights and revelations I brought home with me from Cannes, but, but no one was listening to. And um, I figured out that I had no choice but make some real noise. It's really difficult to, uh, especially for outsiders, to imagine the complete uh, lack of awareness of Bulgarians when it comes to gender roles. Mm, because the Bulgarian reality is very controversial, being you know child of communism and Orient, Oriental culture, uh, really like short uh, history lesson, but uh, Bulgaria fell under communist rule with uh, the end of the Second World War. And when a communist government set up after invasion by, by the Red Army, and uh, soon after the 
extensive arrests and executions were launched to suppress opposition. So practically civil liberties were terminated. And it, it's very strange situation because like on a more positive note, women were fully integrated into the socialist uh, workforce. Also, they could enjoy some of the world's longest maternity leave. People have lived for tens of years with the example of the hardworking woman, but still <laughs> the oriental patriarchal uh, thinking dominates. And that means that the value of woman is, is based on um, what kind of wife and mother she is, uh, how she cooks, how clean her house is. It is really of great importance to um, look, look and act feminine, even to be sexy, like uh, this is important, but there are impossible you know, double standards uh, when it comes to work and leadership roles. Women are being punished for being too feminine. And I think it's not a Bulgarian thing. Like um, th this is the perfect example of the concept of the double bind. I think this concept uh, was coined like in the 50s or 60s, I don't remember, but it is a situation uh, where every choice you make results in being penalized in some way. So if you're not acting feminine enough, like being uh, kind and gentle and, uh, gentle and soft and uh, you know, mothering people around, you're considered a bad woman. But if you display all these qualities in a professional environment, you're not respected and considered a good leader. Have you ever felt that way? Like there is uh, like a lose-lose situation, like uh, whatever you decide to do is like always, you know, the wrong step. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's that saying that you're expected to to work like you don't have kids, but bring your kids up like you don't have a job. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of different pressures from different segments of society that kind of encroach on women, especially when you do have children as well. Yeah, and, and this situation in Bulgaria, um, was actually um, really confusing for me because I realized I, I didn't, I was lacking awareness as well because I was also raised up with this communist propaganda about uh, gender equality and female tractor drivers, like everyone is equal. There is no difference between uh, men and women, but still in Bulgaria, women receive lower salaries than men in like every field possible. Uh, uh, they're like less likely to occupy positions at the highest level. So actually this equality is just on words. And um, when I tried to tell other people about the mission of Seedbeat, uh, it was met with you know, laughter and denial, even from other women. Uh, and that's when I realized the importance of acknowledging a problem before trying to solve it in any way. And you know, I decided to organize as many uh, local seedbed events as possible, uh, hosting big names from all over the world, su such as, you know, Shannon herself. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the reaction been like? You said initially there was laughter and disbelief, but 16 events later, obviously people are believing in, in what you're bringing to Bulgaria. There is this saying I really like, you have been assigned this mountain to show others it can be moved. And I think it's beautiful. There was a difference, like Eastern difference. And I saw these people like 
changing their minds and beliefs based on these personal stories because the seed bit format is really inspiring because you have these real people with their real life stories and problems and listening to them you realize it's not just something that happened to you occasionally or it's not just like a bad luck or you know bad boss but it's mm -hmm. just a system mm -hmm. and when you realize there is a um, like a game with certain rules then you can actually put your mind on changing uh, the games in a way that uh, it could fit you yeah that's great and i think understanding the rules so you know how you can bend them <laughs> to suit you is great you know we've spoken in the past about having to unlearn certain advice that we've been taught which is a similar thing to unlearning the rules that that we've been made to believe you know there's harmful harmful beliefs that we've all kind of you know moved through the industry with or even moved through the world with can you talk a bit more about your experience with with having to unlearn things you've been taught I think, yeah, it's very important to reflect on yourself and your beliefs. And I think your ability to unlearn the things that hold you back is really a, a game changer because you take full ownership on your life. And often personal growth is more about unlearning than learning, right? Uh, thinking about bad advices and uh, harmful beliefs the first that uh, comes to my mind is, you know, don't brag or show off your work will speak for uh, itself. Uh, well, it won't. <laughs> and no, uh, nobody else will do it for you. And I realized this, uh, I think, uh, really late in my life. But the truth is that many people will be frustrated when you start putting yourself first and mm, waving your own flag. But, but it's okay. You need to accept that and your self-love must be stronger than your desire to be liked. And I realize it's not easy to gather the courage to be disliked. It's not how we are built as humans, but, you know, despite what it feels like, sometimes it's, you know, not our job to make sure everyone is happy, uh, comfortable and set. And we really need to uh, learn to take credit for our own milestones and the role we played in our success and you know just to own our magic shamefully yeah i think you know we we put so much blood sweat and tears into coming up with creative concepts that then emerge in the world as an ad <laughs> and quickly remember that the majority of the population of the world doesn't really care about ads so it is up to us to kind of acknowledge our success and how much hard work got us there and as you said keep waving our own flags which is yeah a, a steep learning curve i think <laughs> Yeah, it's not easy. Um, there, there is this life lesson, I think, uh, uh, important life lesson. I learned being a metalhead in, back in the 90s in a small mountain town, as I mentioned. And it, it was to take pride in being uh, uh, different and not liked. Like, imagine fans of metal in this really small mountain town. But uh, the joy of being an outcast, not being accepted, this was a true compliment, like the best recognition possible. And um, that made me learn like from the earliest age that the amount, the, the quantity of likes 
is not the unit of a measure to aim for. So I think it's really uh, relieving to allow yourself, you know, the luxury of not being liked all the time. I'm still learning that. <laughs> if I have to think of um, another like bad advice, um, we have this Bulgarian proverb. I don't know if there is any like similar in your country, but uh, in Bulgaria we say every frog should know its puddle. Like uh, it means like know your place. Yeah. And I hate it. I hate like, excuse me. <laughs> like it, it applies that you're like, you know, less important that you should not challenge the authority, just, you know, accept and embrace the, the things uh, as they are, as mm. if there's some destiny. And I really want to believe exactly the opposite. Again, it's like a tough lesson, like, uh, and I mean, like a really long and painful process of uh, learning to ask for more, which is again, something that uh, most people struggle with and especially women. I don't know how you feel about this. It's, it's really difficult to ask for help and to ask for more and mm-hmm. um, even to re- to reject the stereotypes uh, we hold uh, of ourselves, what we deserve. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking when you said, you know, the the proverb, every frog should know its puddle. Frogs are amphibious. They can cross land to any damn puddle they want. (laughs) Good remark. (laughs) (laughs) There's no stopping a frog. In not being liked by other people, I think it becomes more obvious Uh, sometimes in a really confronting or jarring way, what the qualities about yourself are that aren't likable. Like if if you have bad qualities or weaknesses and how they can rub people up the wrong way. But um, as you said, you know, not being liked is not the end of the world. And in fact, it can be a blessing. Can you tell us about, you know, perhaps some of your, your worst sides or that have actually helped you on your path to where you are today? We're not perfect. No one is. And I think that's the point. And authenticity is the beauty and the power of not fitting uh, in. And um, I think uh, uh, I've grown to be the person to uh, like myself in all the, you know, bad and good uh, parts of myself and to accept them. And um I admit with like hand of my heart that the worst sides of my character, like really the worst sides of my character are actually my most useful and uh, valuable professional qualities. And I'm not joking, like overthinking, uh, <laughs> overdoing, uh, overanalyzing, overstressing. Uh, I, I never relax and chill and I'm stubborn as hell and really annoyingly critical. I'm always like pushing and questioning and trying to fix and improve things and people like guilty, guilty, guilty. Uh, and it, uh, I guess it's not easy to work with me, but that's my USP uh, work-wise, uh, uh, bringing order to chaos. <laughs> and I guess everyone has their own, you know, childhood trauma and coping mechanisms. We just need to put them to use. <laughs> For example, like I realized like I don't feed my problems with thoughts. I starve them with actions. This cliche, but it's true. And my superpower is getting things 
done by distancing from myself, like focusing on the project, the idea, the purpose that is bigger than me. And in some like major way, uh, this is how Seedbeat Bulgaria happened, despite my uh, lifelong uh, fear of public speaking and you know, the organically rooted shame to ask for money. And I, I fully realized the irony and beauty of the uh, fact that I managed to fundraise uh, like three international and like a uh, dozen local events, but uh, never being able to negotiate a higher salary for myself. Like it was okay to ask for money if it was like for a bigger purpose. So, you know, let's raise our glasses to self-detachment and disconnecting from uh, oneself. <laughs> it's so useful in life. <laughs> Sounds very healthy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you spend all your business hours self-detached, how do you come back to yourself afterwards? Uh, no, I'm not proud with that. I'm just, um, I say it's like, it's, it's a good thing to acknowledge uh, your bad size and to put them to good use. Uh, of course, I'm trying to work on myself and to, uh, as I said, to uh, appreciate myself uh, more to my time and my attention. It's a process. And being part of the Seed Beat initiative helped me a lot. Like to realize a lot of things about myself. Yeah, I remember one piece of advice we were given at Seed it, Beat it, was that if you're not confident in negotiating a salary, then turn it around to the other person and ask them how much they think you're worth. And nine times out of ten for women in a creative position, the number that you'll be offered is higher than that you would have asked for yourself. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad story, but like totally true. <laughs> and in the advertising industry in Bulgaria, do you see many other people like you, many other women, many other mothers? I must say that in Bulgaria, there are like so few people, let alone women, in my position because there were no advertising and free market for 45 years uh, during communism. It's a long period of time. And just after 1990, uh, the first advertising enterprises emerged, uh, you know, including uh, affiliates of big uh, international agencies. So we have this pretty new industry. Uh, the first generation of creatives uh, is still on top, dictating the rules. Uh, also, it, it's a small industry. I can't say there are many role models uh, you can relate to. Also, there are not many women on high positions on top to lean on or to compare your experience to uh, to theirs. Um, so it's been a lonely journey, I think, with you know lack of mentors and lack of advice, especially on my level now being a partner. Like, there are not that many people I can uh, reach to for you know any. Any advice, actually. You know, advertising industry is very demanding. Uh, it's very draining and uh, time-consuming. And uh, I must say that agencies are still not being really accommodating for women uh, with children, especially with young children. <laughs> Ironically, uh, women and mothers, uh, for me personally, are the key to staying relevant and uh, successful. You know, like statistics really 
clearly shows that women are the buying power and they drive the world economy and you know as a market women represent an uh, opportunity bigger than china and india combined it's it's a huge huge potential it's nothing but foolish to ignore uh, or underestimate the female consumer and yet most companies do, do a remarkably poor job on serving them you must notice that brands are totally failing to connect with a huge part of women and mothers, especially as they see them like as mothers first rather than women with kids with like, you know, their needs and flaws and personal lives. And this, um, you know, the representation of mothers in ads haven't changed for, I don't know, the last 50 or 60 years a bit. Mm. I really don't understand why uh, the advertising industry doesn't make proper space for mothers. Uh, because understanding and meeting women's needs will be really essential to rebuilding the economy, especially after COVID. And if if there's one positive thing that came with COVID-19, it was like normalizing uh, working from home and, you know, Mm -hmm. long distance work and flexibility and trusting people that are not like in front of your eyes in the office that they will do their job which was really um, a big win for uh moms in advertising uh, i don't know how yeah uh, you have like a, a different experience being on your own for a longer time you're like a trendsetter <laughs> i think um yeah, some of that was, you know, forging my own path because I wanted to, but a lot of it was because I had to. So I remember interviewing at places pre-COVID and being told we can't offer you the flexibility that you want at the money that you deserve in a leadership role. Bye. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden these people who were saying that it was impossible were suddenly like popping up on, on Zoom calls and collaborating remotely. So you know, and you, you're getting glimpses of their personal lives. And as creatives, we always have to bring our own life experiences and, um, you know, insights from the lives that we live into the job that we do and yet leave our personal life at the door. But it doesn't feel like that's the case as much anymore, which is about bloody time, I reckon. Yeah. So I've been afraid to jump in because this has been such a great conversation from frogs to metalheads to... <laughs> Owning your magic. It's great. Fantastic that you've, you know, been able to join the Impostress and talk today. It's been brilliant to hear you both talk about it. I wanted to ask a question, which um, I guess was on the subject to a degree. The role of women in the workplace sounds a bit old school to talk about and to talk about advertising and, and creativity is very much more on topic. Is there is there a need to I don't want to say I don't want to say maintain the rage, but even that sounds stupid to say. But <laughs> yeah, how do you metal? <laughs> yeah, metal, that's what it is. Thanks. <laughs> it, it is about keeping up the fight though, isn't it? Talented female creatives can see if they see it, they can be it, right? So that's about examples. How do you keep seeing it? How do you keep seeing that inspiration? Where like the energy for that? How do you find the energy to to keep going? I, I really love the concept of anger as uh, like a moving power, uh, like a fuel. And yeah. I, I believe we need to tap even more on this feeling 
in its like healthiest form like really i'm speaking like from like re- my personal experience because through my life i uh, it was very difficult to me to express anger for various reasons and um maybe one of them is like mm, the the need to uh, be liked and anger is not a likable emotion right, right. and um, if you don't allow yourself to feel angry and to express this anger uh you are uh, disconnecting from your you know f- from yourself your from your needs and you don't have the energy to change anything and you need this rage to uh, keep i won't say the the fight but the, the persistent um you know direction of really changing the uh, the the game the 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 the, the, yeah. the system because it's it's a uh, the truth is no one is winning this game and i think it's not the imposter syndrome it's not a feeling it's not like a a a trick that our minds plays to us it's just really the result of systemic exclusion of um, of the system by the system uh, and the industry if uh, you had to prove yourself again and again and over and over again for many years you just start to uh, devalue your, your worth and to not being able to uh, appreciate uh, anything uh, even the biggest milestones so i truly believe that the the goal is not to fix women but to fix the or people but, but to fix the environment in order to create you know like a world that embraces these differences uh, our weaknesses uh, people being you know just different from the status quo i think it comes back to what you said before which was fantastic right which was own your magic i go own that magic that you bring that you have which which you were talking about is about celebrating successes but taking that into kind of like everything and owning that i think it's yeah great yeah yeah it's the way street like of course we need to do our personal healing and personal work and to really uh stand for ourselves and uh appreciate ourselves more but it's also uh about changing the way uh, the world perceives power and strength and success these concepts are really i think um old school and toxic and uh, even harmful uh, the way they are right now you you cannot you know girl your way out of a like a social uh, inequality you, you need to change the the system from inside out you're brilliant thank you for joining us on the impostress maria and shannon thank you for thank you. taking us on that journey which was brilliant amazing thank you so much for having me talk to you yep. soon maria bye bye Imposterous is produced by Andrew Stevenson at We Love Jam Studios, the best music and sound house in Australia. The theme music that you're listening to now was created by Hilton Mode of the same company. If you would like to catch up on the other episodes in this series or previous, visit theimposterous.com. 
For all other updates or to make contact, follow us on Instagram at the underscore imposterous.